Are you new to coaching? Starting out as a coach can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when you aren't given much direction from your administration. That's why I created the New Coaches Playbook. It includes a roadmap to help you start building your coaching foundation and a guide to seven podcast episodes in order that will give you the steps and ideas you need to build relationships, define your role, communicate with your admin, and make a plan to start coaching. Coach, what's your instructional coaching personality type? Have you ever wondered what superpowers make you a really strong coach? and what areas you can strengthen with just a little bit of direction? Well, now you can find out. I created the What's Your Instructional Coaching Personality Type Quiz to help you answer this very question. Just head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q to take the two-minute quiz and get your coaching personality type sent right to your inbox. Even better, you'll get a playlist of podcast episodes handpicked just for you to help you hone your superpowers and strengthen your areas of growth. I'm so excited to share this quiz with you, so don't wait to take it. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q and learn so much about your coaching style. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 125 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. This month, we've been digging into coaching cycles and learning how to make them even more effective. This specific episode is all about using the gradual release model to support teachers in implementing new learning within a coaching cycle. In the past, during this month, last episode, we talked with Dr. Jane Kesey about differentiating coaching cycles. The week before that, we were looking at analyzing behavior data with teachers to really help you Um, improve the kinds of classroom work that you're doing together. And episode 122 was about using data to inform coaching cycles before, during, and after. So today is all about using the gradual release model, which is a model we often use to teach students new things. This works really well if we are working with teachers in a new concept that they are very unfamiliar with, such as if you're rolling out a new phonics program or a new writing program, something new that they have not done. It also works really well with teachers who are struggling significantly in the classroom. Teachers who have had a really hard time making things work for them or teachers who seem to struggle to implement things on their own. This is a great tool that will help you kind of bridge that gap with the teachers so they can start taking some ownership gradually and really do a great job with the new learning. If you're unfamiliar with coaching cycles or you want a foundational understanding before we start talking about differentiating these strategies, you'll want to listen into episode three of this podcast where I explain the steps to conducting a coaching cycle and walk you through the entire process. Today, I'm just going to give a brief introduction to coaching cycles before we talk about how to use a gradual release model with them because I want you to have a basic understanding, but then we're really going to dig in using that model. So the coaching cycle comes in three parts. The first part is a pre-conference where you set goals for your work together. You can make a plan for the work that you're going to do in the classroom and choose the type of support, whether it's going to be model lesson, co-taught lesson, or an observation where you observe the teacher. 
The second part of the coaching cycle is actually that classroom work. It's either the observation, the model lesson, or the co-taught lesson, and you actually go through the lesson according to the plan that you made. Step three is your debriefing conversation. And this is called different things in different circles. Some call it a debrief, some call it a um, closing conversation or a dialogue, some call it a post-conference. But either way, you're talking about takeaways from the work you did together, feedback that you can provide to the teacher, and plans for your future work together and how that might impact students, what their next steps in the classroom will be. So the thing is, sometimes you can do a coaching cycle around something with a teacher. You can go through all these steps and do a really great job and something still isn't working. How many times have you modeled in a classroom as part of a coaching cycle and you feel like things are going really, really well? The teacher responds in a positive way and they're talking about how they can use the learning. And so you think, okay, this is happening. And then you visit a few days later and nothing has changed. Have you seen this? I've seen it. It happens all too often. Even seeing something in our own classroom can be difficult to replicate. So if a teacher is watching you model a lesson, it might not work out the way that they expected whenever you leave. Especially if it's an inexperienced teacher or a teacher who's struggling to envision something different that they've never done before. I've talked before in, on this podcast about how important it is to bridge the learning to the classroom, but sometimes even that is not enough. Making connections from PD, making connections from PLC, talking about next steps. If the teacher can't envision the learning and can't see themselves doing it, it's not enough. So for teachers who need the most scaffolded support, I'm going to share five steps to using the gradual release model with teachers that are going to make an impact on that classroom. You can pull from these steps to create a plan that's just right for supporting teachers in different ways. So you might not need to go through the whole process for everybody, but I want you to have the big picture so that as you're thinking about how can I best support my teachers, you have some tools available to you to pull from. So basically we're gonna, first we're gonna talk a little bit about the gradual release model. So if you've used this with students, you're familiar. Um, I have used it with students. I find it really effective if you are really thoughtful in the way that you roll it out. And it works in different content areas. It's a beautiful tool. The gradual release model basically gradually releases the responsibility from the teacher to the student. So over time, like the teacher starts out doing most of the work and the thinking aloud. And then over time, the student is taking more and more ownership over that until at the end, they have complete ownership and they are totally able to do whatever it is that they're asked to do. Whenever I was a new teacher, I can remember my principal explaining the gradual release model to us. And she used the model of a car. So if you are driving, you're, you're learning how to drive. First, you start out by watching a parent drive or some or, or driving instructor drive. Then you're driving alongside somebody else and they're directing you and telling you what to do, but they have that really nice um, brake pedal that they can push on if they need to. And then over time, they release less and less. Uh, they're giving you less and less support and release more and more responsibility to you until eventually you're able to do it on your own because you've learned how to do it. You're confident, you're comfortable, you've done it enough times. It's the same idea. It follows four steps. The model we're going to talk about today, I do, is the first one. The second is we do, I do with your help. The third is still we do, but it's you do with my help. And the fourth is you do. So whenever we're talking about gradual release with students, I do looks like the teacher has 100% of the responsibility. It's usually explicit instruction and maybe a modeled lesson, a think aloud. A teacher is going to do a lot of the thinking and introduce those concepts to students explicitly and clearly without a lot of interruption from students because you want it to be precise. 
Then you move to the we do, which is I do with your help. So here the teacher has maybe 65% of responsibility and the student has maybe 35. They're starting to do a little bit more interacting with the content while the teacher is still there providing the structure and support. So you're gonna do it together. The teacher leads and the students help. And then we move into the we do with students. You do with my help. So we're gradually releasing the responsibility. Kids are getting a little bit more of the um, workload here. So here, student has maybe 65 to 85% of the responsibility and the teacher has the rest. We're gonna do it together. So you're leading and I'm supporting, filling in the pieces that are missing or helping guide you through the tricky parts and making sure that you're doing it the, the proper way that's gonna work. You do is the last step, which is you're ready to do it on your own. You're, you're, you've mastered it for the most part. In a pinch, I'll be here, but you have the leadership role in this case. You're taking ownership over the work and you're doing all of it pretty much on your own. So as we move through those four steps with teacher, we can use our different supports to help them implement new learning when needed. So I do, in this case, would look like a modeled lesson in the classroom. The coach goes into the teacher's classroom, models a lesson. We do, I do with your help, would look like co-teaching. We're both gonna work together to deliver this lesson. We do, you do with my help, also looks like co-teaching, but maybe the, the coach is starting to pull back a little bit and giving the teacher a little bit more independence there. And then you do is an observation. The teacher's gonna conduct the lesson, the coach is going to observe. That's the basics of the gradual release model when we use it with teachers, but we're gonna talk about exactly what the steps will be to help you implement this, this actual approach, okay? So whenever we start out, our first step is going to be planning together so that you can model because we're gonna start with the, the coach having the majority of the workload here because you're introducing something new, you're helping them envision something they haven't seen before. We wanna make sure that they're comfortable with the plan because they need to know what they're looking at during the lesson. So you're gonna to plan together. You're gonna to start with a content goal and a pedagogy goal, okay? So this could look like, will you model one component of our reading block? You can plan the lesson that you model together and discuss the classroom management system. I actually have an episode on the classroom management system that I used coming up in November. And I really think you're gonna like it because it's an easy to implement system. But the first thing you ask is, well, what is your classroom management system? What's in place for students whenever they are struggling to maybe follow directions or do whatever needs to be done? Um, the problem that we sometimes have is whenever teachers don't have a classroom management system, which is why the very last episode of this season is going to be all about my classroom management system that I use when there's nothing in place. So stay tuned for that episode. But in the meantime, be thinking about what you already see on your campus that teachers are already implementing. So make sure that you have discussed the system. If there's not in place, if there's one in place, what is it? If there's not, you know, introduce something brief and simple that you can use with the kids. And from there you're gonna assign roles. I know it sounds really strange to assign roles in a modeled lesson, but the reason that we do it is that the teacher needs to know what is expected of them during the lesson. And I talk about this back in one of my early episodes, your modeling career is what it's called, because I have been in situations where I have modeled lessons and found that the teacher had a different idea of what they were meant to be doing with that time. And some of them looked at it as, oh good, now I can just like reorganize my classroom library or I'll just sit with one of the students and help them with the lesson. But that isn't the point. The point is for them to observe and figure something out and try something, see something new. So 
some basic model lesson roles that you can really explicitly state with your teacher are that the coach is going to introduce maybe the classroom management system if one needs to be introduced. They will follow the lesson plan we make together and model the lesson. The teacher may introduce the coach as a guest teacher. The teacher will probably observe the lesson. They will take notes on a graphic organizer or a note taker, and then they will think about the questions they have so that later when you have your debriefing conversation, the teacher is ready to participate. They have actual questions that they're interested in finding the answers to because they recorded them during that lesson. They're, they're relevant. Okay. Step two is model the lesson. This is an easy one. Basically, you're going to model the lesson in the classroom as you wrote it. You're going to come prepared. You're going to put on your best positive face. You're going to provide the teacher with an organizer or a note taker, something simple that they can do. One thing I really like to do is to give them a blank copy of the lesson plan format if they're struggling with an actual program. So if let's say that I'm modeling a foundations lesson and I'm going to have all those little components of foundations, I might white out all of the, like leave, just leave blank boxes for each component so that the teacher can record what happens during each piece because that way they will have a tool that they can use whenever they go to implement those lessons. I'm gonna think aloud during my model lesson and share my reasoning. I might say something like, you know, I'm noticing that about half of the kids are doing this and half are doing that. I'm gonna reteach this little piece because I want to refine that. I wanna make sure that more kids get on board and understanding this one thing. I'm gonna uh, redirect this group over here because I see that they're doing this, but I asked them to do it in this way. I want it to be exact. Then you can talk to the teacher at the, at the end. You're going to debrief your lesson. And it's okay to be honest that things were not perfect. Okay. We don't want teachers to think, oh, everything went exactly well. This is a model lesson in every sense of the word. No, it's not that it's a perfect lesson. It's that I modeled a lesson in front of you. And hopefully there's some things you can take away from it. But that doesn't mean it's perfect. So they can come with their questions that they wrote during the lesson that will help them process and respond to what they saw. And you can talk about how student learning was impacted during that lesson. You can find out what the teacher walked away with and be prepared to point out things if needed. So sometimes teachers will say, oh, I really liked this one specific thing that you did. And it's like, okay, good, that's good. But there's so much more to this lesson that I had hoped that they would walk away with. You may have to explicitly point it out because they might not just see it. Then you can plan for your next steps. Now here comes the gradual part of the gradual release model. This last lesson classroom work that you did was a modeled lesson. If you need to model another lesson, go for it. If they want to see a different kind, something totally different, go ahead. If they want to do the exact same kind of lesson or just continue working on that same idea, let's move to the next step of the gradual release model, which is co-teaching, okay? And even if they want to see a different kind of lesson, but they feel comfortable co-teaching with you, move to co-teaching. You, you don't want to stay in the coach-driven part of this process too long. You want the teacher to take ownership as quickly as possible because this is for their learning, not for you. So if they're ready to move to co-teaching, move forward to co-teaching. Again, you're going to, in step four, plan together, teach together, and debrief together. You're going to do the same process you did with your model lesson where you, you have a pre-conference, the classroom work, and the debriefing conversation, but you're going to do it with a co-taught lesson. If co-teaching stresses you out, you are not alone at all. Co-teaching used to really stress me out, and I don't want you to feel that way at all. So I have a lesson or an episode about co-teaching early in this podcast, and it's about teaching with a partner. What's great about it is it works if you're co-teaching 
as a coach, or even if you have teachers who co-teach together, like special ed teacher pairing up with a general ed teacher or something like that, you can have them listen to that episode and get some tips about how they can plan together. One of my favorite tools to use to plan the co-taught lesson is the two column. It's actually a three column chart. Okay. So what I do is I plan out a lesson plan with a three column chart. Down the left side is the time frame and what is happening during that time frame. So let's say that we are teaching a math lesson and we're going to do a number sense activity for the first 15 minutes. So it's from 9 to 915 on the left column. In the top, it'll say 9 to 915 number sense activity. And I'll name the activity. And then underneath that, from 915 to 940 is going to be um, math stations. I'm just making this up, okay? It's going to be math stations, and I'm going to list out the stations there, right? In the second column, I'm going to mark at the top teacher A, and the third column says teacher B. One of you will be teacher A, and one of you will be teacher B. A is not better than B. They're just to distinguish. If you want to be teacher star and teacher rainbow, that's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is not like a bluebird's, you know, and like buzzers situation in reading groups. Okay, this is just to distinguish people one from the other. So if, for example, teacher A is leading the discussion, teacher B might record the observations that the students make on the anchor chart. That's what both teachers can be doing at the same time during a co-taught lesson. This is why I came up with different roles for teachers during this time. I was working with a coach once who said, I feel like whenever I'm doing a co-taught lesson, what's actually happening is we're just trading. And I model a lesson for a few minutes and then she models a lesson and then I model a lesson and she models a lesson. And we're just taking turns. But I wanna know what we can do together at the same time. So that's how I came up with a teacher A, teacher B roles. The way I came up with a three column planner though was back when I was a classroom teacher. I had a special ed support teacher who was great when she knew what she was there to do. So we would make sure we planned in advance of the less of the day and we would sit together and write out exactly what everybody was gonna do. And in the little boxes, I might say, okay, we're gonna, this is our whole group lesson. I'm gonna do this, you're gonna do this. You're gonna support these students individually. You're going to record on this chart or today you're going to read aloud the book. And then the next little block of time might have been independent practice. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to pull this small group with Kathleen, Kaylee, Alexa, and Deandra. And you're going to pull um, Jose and um, Beatrice and, you know, I don't know, Gerardo into a little group. So then we'd split up our kids and everybody knew exactly what was going to happen. As soon as that independent time started, I said, I need these four kids. She said, I need these three kids. Everybody got going and there was no downtime. It was perfect. Well, I mean, not every day, but when it worked right, it was great. So that three column tool, I cannot recommend it enough. That's how I came about. It was necessity as a mother of invention. And I just love to share it because it works for coaching, co-teaching relationships as well. So another example of the teacher A, teacher B role. Teacher A could read the book aloud. Teacher B could pause the reader and ask clarification questions or practice the strategy aloud for the kids. If teacher A is modeling the strategy, teacher B could try it out on the whiteboard and say, okay, let's try it out, kids. Let's see if we can make it work. If teacher A is asking questions, teacher B can model how to figure out the answer. These are ways that we can work together during a co-taught lesson so we're equally participating and it's not one person modeling while the other person watches and then flip. Again, we wanna come back to having a content goal and a pedagogy goal. And I don't think I did a great job of explaining that before. So I really wanna dig into it now. The content goal is the goal of what the students are going to work on, okay? A content goal, for example, the students will understand and explain the structures and features of expository text and use them to comprehend. The pedagogy goal is for the teacher. 
So what is the teacher working on to implement during this coaching cycle? Well, for example, in that expository lesson, maybe they will say, well, I want to learn how to build a chart collaboratively with students using a mentor text. So the, the, the pedagogy goal could be, I will build an anchor chart collaboratively using a mentor text with students. So we want to make sure that we're focusing on student learning and teacher learning. These are two levels of learning that are going on at the same time. And as a coach, we are partially responsible for both of those things. We want to make sure we, we really focus on both things. So here we are in co-teaching. As we move through this co-teaching cycle and you have you know, co-teaching and then you debrief, the first time you do a co-taught lesson, you may take more of the responsibility. Maybe you have more of those stronger teacher A roles that tend to be leading things and teacher B support. But in the next round of co-teaching, we want to start changing that up. And our teacher that we're working with starts to take on more leadership in the classroom in those lessons, those specific lessons, and say, okay, I'm going to be responsible for modeling the think aloud. And I would like you to ask questions whenever you think a student has a question. You could be like devil's advocate. So we can start changing up those roles and giving more responsibility to the teacher and less to the coach. The coach can become more of a recorder or a you know fact checker and less of a leader because we want to start pulling back that support because the teacher, that's their classroom and they have to live there, right? We don't want to take ownership away from them forever. We don't want to take it away from them at all, but we certainly don't want to take um, the leadership role in those lessons for too long of a time. So after you've co-taught, planned, taught, debrief together, then you could do another co-teaching cycle where you plan, teach, debrief together, and you're starting to pull that support back. The last step in this process is when we get to the observation. So here again, we're going to plan together, just like we did before. And that's, you know, if request, if the teacher's pretty comfortable planning a lesson, great, that's another responsibility you can release to them. That, that's their ownership, right? You can identify a focus for your observation. Okay, today I'm going to look to see if um, you're using those hands-on strategies we talked about using during foundations to make sure that the learning is sticking to students. You can record that at the top of your sheet that you're using to record your observation notes. You can use the same form that you used back whenever the teacher observed you model the lesson. I actually find that continuity is really helpful for teachers, and then they're not learning a whole other tool to figure out how to use, you know, how to respond to. The teacher will teach, you will observe, and then you will debrief together again. You can use reflective questioning to help the teacher think about their students teaching and learning, or learning and, and their own teaching. You can discuss next steps, make a plan. And if they're ready, you pull that support back and you say, I'll check on you in a few days. That's even less of a support that you're providing there, right? You're no longer giving immediate feedback. You're going to say, I'm going to check in and see how it's going. Try some things out. Let me know. And then... They may not need that support for a while until they come up on something else that they want to try out. One of the questions that I've gotten is how long do I spend at each point of this process? Well, there's really no set of amount of time for each step. I mean, if you think about using the gradual release model in your classroom and somebody told you, you are only going to model for seven minutes and then you're going to move on to the, the we do no matter what, no matter whether kids are confused, no matter whether you feel like they need another day, no matter what. That really wouldn't be effective teaching, right? So the same thing happens when you're a coach. You're going to have to use your judgment. But I can give some basic recommendations that might help you kind of keep in mind what's important. Basically, we don't want to get stuck in any step forever. You don't want to get stuck modeling lessons for a month. <laughs> They're not going to take it on. You don't want to get stuck co-teaching forever and they never independently try anything. You don't want to co-plan every single lesson and they never plan a lesson on their own. So maybe one to two lessons at each step in the cycle would be appropriate depending on 
how things are going with the teacher. Most of your time is going to be spent co-teaching, hopefully. There's no set amount of time, but the entire cycle of a coaching cycle often will last two to four weeks. That totally varies. Some people are like in and out in three days, and that's great. Some people might take longer if they if that teacher really needs a lot of support, but I'm going to say often it's between two to four weeks. So most of the time will be spent in that co-teaching mode, but it probably won't be every day. Let's get real. Whenever I set time to work with teachers in their coaching cycles, and whenever I was a regular coach on a campus, so I, was, I lived there, you know, I could not guarantee that I could be in that classroom every day. I would look at my schedule and I'd say, well, Tuesdays is already marked off because it's PLC. So I will not be available on Tuesdays. Thursdays, I have a meeting with third grade at this time. So if your time frame falls in this time, I would not be able to be present on a Thursday. So then you've got your cycle already chopped up a little bit. So as you're building your cycle, you really have to be thoughtful about how that can work. Your last step, if, if observing a lesson is just too hard for you to get into the classroom, or if you observe a lesson, but you feel like the teacher would still like to refine things with you through cycles, have them record themselves with video. Video is such an amazing tool that we don't take advantage of enough. I feel like people are really jumping on it now because they're more comfortable after COVID put everybody through the ringer. Now people have had more access to video and are, are less uncomfortable being on camera, but it's still something that we can harness to use for our own learning. So why not? So if the teacher will allow you record that lesson so you could watch it at a later time, have them submit it to you somehow um, electronically so that you can watch it and really give them feedback. Don't do the whole lesson, just do little pieces. So actually that's a beautiful way that we could add to the tail of our co our, our gradual release model. You model, you co-teach, you observe, and then the last step could be you you observe via video, but just fine points. The teacher says, I'm still having a hard time. Whenever the kids are putting the foundations materials away, they're not, I don't know how to get them to do it in a way that makes sense. And it's not a mess. So they can record it. You can give feedback. That's a way to refine that process over time. So you're not leaving them hanging at the end of those two to four weeks. And teachers are getting the support on the things that they want because they say, this is what I want you to see. This is the five minute block. This is the four minute chunk that I want you to see that I'm having trouble with. Help me figure it out. It's a great way to provide some closure and some support at the end. If you're doing this process and you feel like it's taken a long time, you're not wrong. It takes a while. And the benefit is that if you don't do it, the classroom's not growing. I mean, you're choosing classrooms carefully whenever you go through this whole gradual release process, right? So one thing that I can recommend that you do is during the process, while you're modeling in a classroom or co-teaching, you can have other teachers join you. You can have them join you during your pre-planning. You can have them join whenever you model or co-teach. You can have them observe via video if the classroom teacher is okay with that. You can use that classroom as a way to get to other classrooms so that they're not left completely alone for four weeks if you spend a lot of time in certain rooms, okay? You, of course, have to check with a teacher and make sure that the teacher is okay with having guests or is okay with sharing video with other people. But once something, everything is in place, you can actually build that classroom up where others can observe and see great things happening in there. I have an episode all about model classrooms that you could listen to. I will find the episode number for you so you can check that out because I really believe that model classrooms are a great way to reach classrooms that maybe we wouldn't be able to get into because you can get them into that room and 
they can learn from their colleagues. It's a beautiful way to help teachers learn from each other. That's episode 78, Model Classrooms, Why You Need One and What to Do When You Get One. So you can check that out uh, if you want some more ideas about setting up a model classroom. So that wraps up our episode today. That I'm just kind of going to do a quick review because I feel like that was a lot of information and a lot of steps. The gradual release model, I do, we do, I do with your help, we do, you do with my help, and you do. We enroll, those are basically the steps we're following whenever we're helping a teacher acquire something really big and new. So we start out with modeling. We do a coaching cycle around modeling, around co-teaching, probably two because we're going to gradually release that responsibility. Then we move into observations and we may even add some video observations at the end to help teachers continue to refine that practice. My next step for you today are to grab the free download on the site that's buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 125 episode with a capital e can't believe i have 125 episodes this is like wild to me and from there you can scroll down to the bottom of the page talk type your little email address in there and you can grab some coaching cycle forms that will help you do this work in classrooms the best part is that you can get the entire package of coaching cycle forms at my tpt store so if you go to christy beltran tpt just pay teachers.com Chrissy Beltran, Buzzing with SB, search for either one and look for the coaching cycle forms in my store because it comes with coaching cycle forms and a slideshow. You can grab those resources and includes the tools for gradual release model. It gives you the steps just like I talked about today. So you'll have access to that independently when you're doing your work and all the forms that you need to do the work with classrooms. If you want to learn more, I already mentioned episode three, the coaching cycle in six easy steps. Totally recommend that one. It gets digs into each step. It digs in. I don't, I don't know why. I'm, what is happening with my tongue right now? It digs into each step so that you can learn more about how to do this process with, with lots of um, uh, purpose. And then episode 12 is building practice into your support models with Gretchen Bridgers. Building practice is another way to, way to build that bridge from your work with teachers into their classroom. So definitely check out that episode. Next episode, 126, I'm going to give a coach some support with coaching cycles and you can listen in. It's a coaching call episode and I cannot wait to share it with you. So that's next week. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.